amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Minds of Madness podcast. Listener discretion is advised. It's no secret that one of the most common fears among women is the possibility of being randomly attacked by a complete stranger. And sadly, it's a fear all too often based in reality. But what happens when a dangerous predator decides he wants to get to know his victims before attacking them? A twisted killer who wants to become friends before revealing the darkness within. Join me now as we unfold the terrifying case of the Ohio Strangler. You'll hear how a lifelong criminal used his looks and friendly nature to disarm his victims, and how an act of awe-inspiring bravery from one of those women finally brought him to justice. In the early summer of 2016, as the flowers bloomed in Ashland County in northeastern Ohio, something was stirring in the woods near the small village of Mifflin. A curious drifter named Sean Grate had made his way out of the forest and into the campgrounds of Charles Mill Lake State Park. The 39-year-old did his best to blend in with the other campers as he walked among them, and it wasn't difficult. A few quick smiles and friendly hellos made everyone believe he was just like them, a normal person taking a break from the real world to enjoy the great outdoors. But Sean wasn't just like them, he was a vagrant and he was on a mission. As he pretended to casually stroll around the campgrounds, what he was really doing was trying to find a place he could call home, at least for a few nights. Soon Sean came across a cluster of camper trailers that remained in the park year-round and he scoped them out for a while before spotting one that appeared to be unoccupied. In early June, he decided to break in and make himself at home, and no one seemed to notice. His face soon became a regular fixture around the campgrounds and he seemed to be having a blast, living the easy vacation lifestyle with the other campers. With light eyes, dark hair, and a handsome demeanor, Sean certainly didn't look like what most people picture when they hear the words homeless drifter. But nobody knew better than Sean that an air of normality was the best form of camouflage. Part of his act also included 
interacting with the park rangers whenever he saw them, always saying hi and building up a friendly rapport. On June 18th, after about two weeks living inside the commandeered camper, the real owner inevitably returned, only to find that someone had been staying there and had helped themselves to all the food inside. But by this time, Sean had moved into another unoccupied camper, and no one suspected a thing. Sean stayed in the second camper for another two weeks before the owners came back as well, and by some stroke of luck, Sean again wasn't inside when the break-in was discovered. Instead, he watched from a distance as the owner filed a report with the park rangers. At this point, Sean could tell his good luck at the campground was running out. He'd also left some personal items inside the camper that might be able to identify him as the culprit. It was time to leave, and so he ditched the campground and went back into the surrounding woods where he began to build an elaborate fort. While Sean squatted in the woods, he kept himself busy by robbing a convenience store, as well as the Mifflin Flea Market, stealing what he needed to live comfortably. After a few weeks, Sean actually had quite the setup going, but eventually decided it was time to find some more modern accommodations. So he made his way to nearby Ashland, Ohio, and crept into the city, camping by the railroad tracks before moving into an abandoned warehouse for a week. But just like he'd done at the campgrounds, Sean was always keeping an eye out for a better opportunity to pop up. It was mid-July when Sean stumbled upon his dream home in the heart of downtown Ashland, a multi-story yellow house with a peaked roof and a welcoming front porch. But the thing that made this house perfect for Sean, it was completely abandoned. As you can imagine, there were a few minor setbacks living in an abandoned house, like no running water. However, there was a laundromat practically right next door, so Sean simply filled up gallon jugs of water whenever he needed to. But the icing on the cake was that for some reason, the electricity was still active at the property, and by Sean's usual living standards, this meant he was now living large. There was already a TV inside the house, so he bought himself a VCR and DVD player to keep himself entertained. After settling into his new place, Sean even got a job at a local grocery store, leaving bright and early and returning home, like any other average Joe. And just like he'd done squatting at the campground, Sean began making himself known in the community, attempting to make new friends. But his first attempts didn't go so smoothly. When he approached a pair of women, a mother in her 40s and her 20-year-old daughter, sitting on a park bench, he made some pleasantries before continuing on his way. And then when he saw that the mother had left, Sean reapproached the daughter and was a bit more specific with his intentions. He gave her his number and asked her if she wanted to hang out, offering to buy her beer and asking her if she did drugs. It wasn't exactly the Prince Charming approach, and the woman promptly lost his number. So Sean set his sights elsewhere, perhaps looking for someone a little easier to persuade. At the laundromat where Sean filled up his jugs with water, he quickly zeroed in on a 17-year-old girl with a toddler. 
At first, he offered to help carry her laundry back home for her before inviting her over to his place. But she knew the home he was living in was abandoned and wisely declined the offer. But Sean didn't give up so easily, at least when it came to meeting new people. He thought if he tried hard enough and looked for just the right kind of woman, he knew he'd eventually find someone who was willing to give him a chance. He always did. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. In July of 2016, Sean began getting his meals at the local Croc Community Center run by the Salvation Army. It was free food and an opportunity to meet new people. It was also there where Sean met a woman named Jane. After eating lunch together one day, and then the next day as well, Sean really liked Jane and made the effort to turn on the charm, and soon they were seeing each other nearly every day eating meals and playing games of badminton, and just as he'd hoped, they were becoming friends. During one of their badminton games, Jane's friend Elizabeth Griffith, who lived in the apartment building next to Jane, stopped by to chat with them. Elizabeth was 29 years old and also a familiar face at the Croc Center. She too had her own struggles and often spoke openly about them. Diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and mania, she was sometimes known to share a little bit too freely, and from time to time had to be gently reminded that not all people could be trusted with such personal information. Elizabeth's mental health was something she made a priority in her daily life, regularly checking in with her peer-to-peer -peer counselor, Cindy Lynn Swanger, keeping up with her medications, and making appointments with her assigned therapist, Tina Schwartz. She had a lot of hearing voices, seeing things. She would contact our helpline service, a 24-hour service that we have. Uh, it seemed almost nightly, but it was probably more every other night. Sometimes it ran in a sequence. She had religiosity where when something bad happened, she would focus on you know, Jesus is trying to punish them, per se, or um, everything had kind of a religious connotation to it with her. She had to have, like her laundry had to be done on certain days. She wanted to get her bills paid on the first of the month. She always contacted her payee and would get the money that she needed to do like her laundry, grocery shopping. Despite her struggles, Elizabeth was a friendly, gregarious, and outgoing person who loved to interact with people. 
So getting a chance to catch up with her friend Jane at the badminton court, as well as meeting Sean, seemed like an all-around great experience for Elizabeth. In fact, by the time August rolled around, Elizabeth's counselor had started noticing a change in her demeanor. She was obviously excited about something. Maybe she'd met someone special. On the morning of August 16th, 2016, the 29-year-old took the bus from her apartment and went shopping at the Aldi grocery store, then stopping in at Dorlo's Pizza to grab a bite to eat. That day, she'd also called her counselor, anxious to speak with her, but the timing just didn't work out for them to meet. They'd have to touch base later. At 1 p.m., a bus driver spotted Elizabeth walking by herself down Main Street. It was the last time anyone saw her. Two weeks later, on September 7th, Elizabeth was officially reported missing by her therapist, who realized it had been way too long since she'd last checked in. We ran over to her apartment just to check on her, and there was no answer, and then one of the neighbor ladies came out from across the way, and I asked the neighbor lady, I said, have you seen Elizabeth lately? And she said, no, we haven't seen her for a couple, two or three weeks. Right there, I knew something was wrong. So then the case manager and I, I mean, I couldn't really tell you the sequence, but we hit the laundromat, we hit the crack center, um, we talked to the manager at the apartment complex in which Elizabeth lives. Um, we talked to a couple friends of hers that same day, and nobody had seen her for about this two-week period of time. The next day on September 8th, after Elizabeth had been reported missing, Another Ohio woman found herself with some car trouble in Ashland. 43-year-old Stacy Stanley had driven to Ashland to do some shopping and get her nails done. But instead of a routine trip, she wound up stranded at a BP gas station with a flat tire at 8.30 p.m. It was dark and raining and she didn't have a jack, so she called her son Corey asking for help. Corey then arranged for a family friend to head over to help change the flat. But there was someone else at the gas station that night too. A man who seemed friendly enough and offered to lend a helping hand. After Stacy's friend arrived and changed the tire with the help of the stranger, Stacy's friend headed on his way, leaving Stacy behind with the stranger alone. As a thank you, Stacy bought him a cup of coffee and after, a gas station employee watched the two of them leave together. The stranger's name was Sean Great. Stacy never made it home. Stacy Stanley was a devoted mother who always ensured the well-being of her loved ones, particularly her two boys. After graduating high school, she pursued a nursing degree, eager to make a difference in the world. However, her life would take an unexpected turn when she found herself battling a heroin addiction. But by the point of the flat tire incident, Stacy had been clean and sober for six months and was just getting her life back on track. She worked hard at reestablishing herself, finding employment, and moving in with her supportive sister. If she learned anything from her lowest moments battling addiction, it was how to handle herself on the streets. Stacy wasn't naive when it came to shady situations and had continued carrying a can of mace on her wherever she went. 
So when family didn't hear from Stacy after she got stranded at the gas station, they decided they needed to do whatever they could to find her, no matter how many doors they had to bang on. On September 10th, a mere 48 hours after Stacy had her tire changed, her family took matters into their own hands and officially reported her missing. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. To Stacy's family's astonishment, Instead of receiving the support they anticipated from police, they were met with indifference. Law enforcement speculated that Stacy's disappearance could be attributed to a relapse, leaving her family seething with frustration. By that point, over 30 family members had already gathered, pooling their efforts to comb the streets of Ohio, determined to uncover any trace of Stacy. Their search eventually led them to an eerie discovery, an abandoned house nestled in the heart of Ashland. As Stacy's family approached the yellow two-story residence, a sense of unease began to set in. There was just an inexplicable strangeness to it, and they couldn't ignore the nagging feeling that they should probably take a look inside. Stacy's uncle recounted the ordeal to People.com, revealing how they pleaded with authorities to investigate the home, but regrettably, their pleas fell on deaf ears. On September 11th, three days after she was last seen, Stacy's car was finally discovered, parked in a quiet residential neighborhood in Ashland. The homeowner recalled witnessing a man exit the vehicle and vanishing into the night. Inside Stacy's car, her cell phone was recovered, along with her identification, found wedged between the seats. Yet the one thing that mattered most was conspicuously missing. Stacy herself. Where on earth could she be? The unsettling truth revealed a disturbing pattern emerging in Ashland, Ohio. Women were vanishing at an alarming rate, with two disappearances occurring within just one month. Was it merely a series of unfortunate coincidences, or was there something far more sinister transpiring? The possibility loomed that an elusive predator could be prowling the streets of Ashland, skillfully evading detection, flying completely under the radar. Throughout this unsettling period, an unlikely bond was beginning to form between Sean Grade and Jane, with their relationship growing day by day, forging a close connection that remained purely platonic. Their routine included frequent lunches, playing sports like badminton and tennis, 
and embarking on long walks together with conversations drifting from life to Jane's favorite topic, the Bible. As their connection deepened, Sean even took Jane to his secret hideaway in the woods, where he revealed a hidden trove of buried stones he carefully retrieved and presented to Jane as a heartfelt gift. Although Jane cherished their blossoming friendship, that's as far as she wanted it to go. Sean, on the other hand, seemed to be entertaining the idea of taking their relationship to a more romantic level. Occasionally, Sean would suggest they should get married, but it was a sentiment that remained one-sided. Jane was adamant they keep things casual, to the point where she hadn't even given him her phone number. On September 11, 2016, the same day Stacy Stanley's abandoned car was discovered, Sean and Jane once again met up to spend the day together. After getting some shopping done, Sean and Jane started walking back to her house when Jane's friend Tamara drove past just after 3 p.m., offering them a ride. As they drove along, the conversation naturally turned to Elizabeth's disappearance. It had become the talk of the neighborhood, and it seemed everyone knew about it. While Tamara and Jane shared their thoughts, trying to make sense of the puzzling circumstances, Sean kept quiet until the conversation turned to Tamara building a garden shed. Then all of a sudden, Sean turned enthusiastic, offering to help. Was he now trying to make friends with Tamara as well? As Jane and Sean reached their destination, Sean quickly hurried off without even bothering to say bye to Jane. To Tamara, it seemed a bit strange. Later, when Jane finally caught up with Sean, he surprised her with an unusual offer. He had a collection of hand-me-down clothes he wanted to give her and invited her over to pick them up. Intrigued, Jane agreed. When they first arrived at the home he'd been squatting in for nearly two months, nothing seemed amiss until they went inside. The front door had been barricaded, impossible to enter, and the side door seemed to be the only way in. Jane hadn't really been inside Sean's house before, maybe for a moment here and there, but she was conservative when it came to that kind of thing and didn't really feel it was appropriate for her to be alone with him, or any man for that matter, especially inside his home. But here he was, offering her free clothes. What could be the harm? Inside, the house was a disaster. It was dirty, cramped, and full of bugs, dust and garbage everywhere. But Jane tried looking past the squalor, trying hard to focus on the good things she'd learned and believed about Sean up until that moment. As they chatted, everything seemed relatively normal. That's until Jane announced she was ready to leave. But Sean wasn't ready for her to go and told her she wasn't going anywhere. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Suddenly, the friend Jane knew, the man she thought of as an older brother, was all over her, trying to force her to accept his unwanted advances. But Jane resisted, and suddenly, out of nowhere, Sean punched Jane in the face. To protect the privacy and identity of the individual involved in this case, we've been referring to her as Jane. Please be aware that the experiences she's about to share are deeply unsettling and may be distressing to some listeners. I tried to push him away and uh, and get up. Um, I was just doing everything, um, trying to kick punch, but everything I did, he just did it so much harder. Did he hit you? Yes. With what? His fists. Where did he hit you? My head, my face. One time? More than one time? Several times, as long as I kept fighting. And did you continue to fight? Until he started choking me. How was he choking? With both hands around my neck. Did he let go of your neck? I think when I stopped struggling and fighting, he asked me if I had enough. And I just, I think I just remain motionless and so he released his hands and then what he started pulling off my clothes did you continue to resist at that point no why not because he already showed me that he was a lot stronger once jane stopped resisting sean began tearing her clothes off ripping the fabric so she began removing them herself desperately wanting to keep something intact that she could put back on once whatever was happening was over. What she couldn't have known was that Sean never intended for it to ever stop. At some point, were you tired? Yeah. How many times were you tired? At least three. Where were you tired? You would always bind uh, my, my wrists um, my legs at times. To what? Um, sometimes to just weird positions. Um, sometimes just together. Um, sometimes, uh, one time to the bed. Not only had Sean tied Jane up, he'd also bound her neck, telling her not to move or she'd strangle herself to death. He'd then leave her alone for hours, only to return, smoke some weed, and then assault her again. Throughout her captivity, Sean beat and abused Jane, causing head trauma and bruises all over her body. He'd sometimes film the assaults on his cell phone, keeping her hope alive by telling her he'd eventually let her go, just not now. For three days and two nights, Sean tortured Jane. On the first night, he tied her to a mattress and barely slept, 
setting an alarm on his phone to go off every five minutes so he could check on Jane before dozing off, only to wake up again and again. On the second night, he paced around until he was so exhausted he fell into a deep sleep. So deep that when his phone alarm went off, he didn't wake up. It was now September 13th, around 6 a.m., and Jane's hands and legs were tied together with Sean sleeping right beside her. As scared as she was, Jane was ready to do whatever she could to escape. So she carefully began attempting to free herself, trying desperately not to wake up Sean. Next, she needed to find his phone. I reached over him, trying to get the phone that was going off every five minutes. And so I reached to the nightstand next to the bed and I thought I found it. It was still dark in the room. So I pulled my hand back and, and looked and it was the taser. And I couldn't find the phone anywhere, like from where I was at. Um, so I started creeping down the bed and I snuck around the side of the bed and I was looking for the phone. Taser in hand, Jane began searching desperately for Sean's phone so she could call 911. Did you think you were ever going to leave that house? I didn't really look ahead too much, you know. I didn't. When I thought about it, it seemed impossible, though, you know, how do you give up hope? I mean. Finally, around 7 a.m., Jane was able to locate Sean's phone and huddled by the bedroom door as she called 911, hoping someone would come and rescue her before it was too late. 911, what is the address to your emergency? By the street laundromat. What is it? Or, or street laundromat. What's the problem? I've been exhausted. When the 911 dispatcher asked for Jane's name, she whispered it back, trying to stay as quiet as possible so she wouldn't wake Sean. Who abducted you? Sean Green. Is it John Green? Sean Greg. Where's she at now? Asleep. Where's she sleeping at? In the bedroom. In what bedroom? There's two houses right by the laundry street, and it's in one of those houses. But you're at the laundromat? No, I'm, I'm in the bedroom with them. What color is the house? Is it if I'm looking at the laundromat, which way is it? If you're looking... And the laundry mat on the left of the two. You don't know what color the house is? No. Please hurry. Jane was doing everything she could to direct them to her location, but without the address, all she could do was describe the whereabouts of the house. Okay, does he own the house? No, he broke into it. Does anybody actually live there? I think they've been abandoned. And his name is Sean Great? Yes. Like G-R-A-T-E? Yes. 
you have a weapon? Jane gave a brief description of Sean, whispering to avoid detection. The situation was urgent, and time was of the essence, as Sean could wake up at any moment. When the dispatcher asked if she was injured, Jane hesitated before downplaying her condition as a little. It was a massive understatement. Throughout the call, moments of silence gripped the line prompting the dispatcher to urge Jane to stay connected, gathering vital information and strategizing potential escape routes. But Sean had rigged the room to alert him if she tried leaving the bedroom. Are they on the way? We have officers rescinding. Please do not. Hey, if you're worried you don't have to talk, you can just set the phone down, okay? I just need to hear if the officers find you or not. Minutes ticked by. That must have felt like an eternity to Jane, watching Sean sleep, knowing he could wake up at any moment. Do you need an ambulance? Are you bleeding from anywhere? Not anymore. Where were you bleeding from? You don't have to talk if you don't need to, okay? In real time, the dispatcher relayed everything Jane was saying to police as they searched for the house. But suddenly, the situation took a dangerous turn when Jane accidentally triggered the taser she was holding. officers outside okay they're in the area when jane set off the taser sean briefly woke up sitting upright and putting his feet on the floor amazingly he just stared at the ground before lying back down and falling asleep again when the dispatcher asked her to look out the window for police jane explained she couldn't because the window was right next to sean's head and she couldn't leave the bedroom because the door didn't have a doorknob and pushing it open would risk causing too much noise. Jane could only wait and hope police would find her in time. If you think you can get out, you need to get out. Unless they were right here. He would hear me catch any strong. Police were now close enough that Jane could actually hear them somewhere outside, but they were still trying to determine her exact location. Can you hear anybody right now? She heard the side door open. Reassured that help had arrived, Jane took the courageous risk of pushing open the bedroom door. You're out. Okay, can you get to the door where you can see out? Jane had freed herself from the bedroom, but 
quickly realized the door to get out of the house was locked. She knew time was running out before Sean would wake up and discover her escape attempt. Can you get out of the house? It's locked. Are you at the door? Yeah, I am. She's at the door. You're on the door to the right hand side of the house? Yeah. She's at the door on the right side of the house. She got out of the bedroom. Is there a window there? Yeah, I'm looking out. If it comes, I'll come back. She said, hurry, hurry. She said to hurry up and come back. Yeah, they can see me if they come through it. The door is locked. No, the bedroom door had no door hanger. This one, it's locked. You can't get out. Can you unlock the door at all? In a frantic race against the clock, every passing second became more critical. Remarkably, Jane was able to manage her composure while desperately pleading for officers to hurry up. And just then, the front door burst open. Come out, come out. Hurry up, hurry up. Get out of here. Where is he? 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 Okay, they have her. In total, Jane had spent 19 terrifying minutes on the line with the 911 dispatcher before escaping, naked, injured, and severely traumatized. Once Jane was secured, police busted into the abandoned home and made their way into the bedroom where Sean was still sleeping. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Through a series of small miracles, Jane had finally been rescued. Now it was time to begin piecing together exactly what had happened in that strange abandoned house. Here, cover yourself up. Tell me what happened. What happened? What had happened? How could a seemingly harmless man who read the Bible and loved helping people do what he'd done to Jane? committing such awful, cruel, and painful crimes against a woman that thought he was a friend. It was truly unthinkable. Thankfully, Jane was safe now because of the courage she was able to muster in the face of insurmountable odds, and a violent predator was being whisked away by police. It should have been the end of a tragic and harrowing story, but police were about to be blindsided 
when they soon learned that Sean's arrest was just the beginning. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming. This is going to be a short press conference. I'm not going to take any questions from anyone. We're going to announce the status of an investigation as it pertains to what we're doing here today. And then we're going to dismiss. If you don't know me, I'm Chief David Marcelli, the Chief of Police here in Ashland. This morning we began investigating an abduction in which a female was abducted by a male. We were able to recover her from the scene. She is alive. We were also able to take that person into custody and question him. At the residence where this woman was being held, we were able to discover the remains of two humans. Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation and Identification is now on the scene processing that crime scene. We have not identified any of those remains. We are going to allow the coroner's office to take that responsibility on. So with nothing further, this case is an open and active investigation. We are giving you this information as a courtesy to dispel rumors that has, this has to do with the Brunswick Amber Alert or any other case. So we are in the process again of processing the crime scene, identifying the remains, and moving forward with our investigation and eventual prosecution. If you have any questions, I will turn this over to Dr. Tomei. He can give you a better timeline on the process uh, of identifying those remains. I'm not taking any questions. Thank you. Thank you for your time. As uh, Chief Marcelli indicated, I'm assisting him in this investigation. It's my responsibility to identify the remains. We've not been yet granted access to the site. As he said earlier, it's been secured by BCI. Once I'm able to get in there, we'll have more information for the press but obviously the family will be notified first. We'll use whatever means are necessary to identify the bodies. Obviously, that could take more than just minutes or hours. So, without any further questions, thank you for your time. Uh, doctor, when you said bodies, how many are we talking about here? As Chief Marcelli said, there were two bodies found at the scene. Do you know if they're men or women? Uh, I have not been made aware of their sex at this point. We would uh, like to... Uh, uh had some help. I've heard God, my niece Stacy, the one that has been missing since Thursday, her car was found up here on 9th Street. She had been abducted by from BP Station. We got hold of every top sheriff to help us. We had zero help from them. We combed this area and shook this guy's cage, got him rattled. He screwed up because we were banging on his door last night where they were being held. And he got rattled because of what the community did, what his, their family had done. We combed this area and rattled his cage for no thanks to these police officers. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate your comments. And, uh, I can't comment on any I'm of that. I'm just saying that. And uh, luckily, we rattled his cage enough. He left his cell phone close enough to where she could dial 911. So thank God for that. Not the police department, but there was zero help. Join me next week for part two as police interrogate Sean Gray for the crimes against Jane, only to discover he'd be the key to understanding what had happened to Stacy Stanley and Elizabeth Griffith, two area women who disappeared without a trace over the previous month. They'd soon learn that Sean had been extremely busy as of late, and everyone was about to discover the truth about what had been happening across Ohio. Follow The Minds of Madness on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
To support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, extra content, and Patreon-exclusive episodes, go to patreon.com slash madnesspod. To find us on Instagram and Facebook, search The Minds of Madness, and on Twitter using the handle at madnesspod. And also, by checking out our sponsors and using our promo codes, you're also helping support the show. We've got all the links in our episode notes. So until next week, thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.